it's almost impossible for me to think about any elements of theology apart from what they have to do with me. Right. What they have to do with you. Right. And it's like Paul's canvas and Jesus's canvas are, are far bigger. They're cosmic. This is the Bonnie bot. <laughs> I have to I say things recording. like out loud or I forget them. So side dies laughing because I say stuff like the chicken is in the oven. Like out loud. <laughs> wow. <sighs> What's I the code recording. word? The chicken is in the oven. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Vox podcast here. We are so glad uh, that you are tuning in today. Thank you for giving us a bit of your time. What we have in store for you today is utterly mind-blowing. Tim, can I get an amen on that? Amen. Bonnie, was your mind blown? Okay, it was. And let me just say, you told me it was going to be blown, and I have to admit, I was like, okay. And then it was blown. Okay? <laughs> Can you, would you just describe for the listeners the text? I'm going to put it up. We have a group, we have a group text. I screenshotted it and we get this like out of nowhere text from Erie that says, holy crap. <laughs> and then he's like, everything has changed. You'll never be the same. This interview, holy crap, holy crap, like on and on and on. That <laughs> was so funny. So so anyway, um, we had, or, or I mean, so we've had this this Bonnie's dear friend Tim Gombus. <laughs> You're welcome on the podcast, um, uh, several times, and that's I, you know, I, I can't let Bonnie and Tim talk because you know the I, I don't I'm just jealous of this relationship that they have. Well, obviously, so, you never let us in on the interviews now. Exactly. But now, <laughs> but when you listen to this one, you will understand why. Um, this one, yeah, this one's big. So, so just a couple of intro thoughts, and then we'll just get right to it because it's super long. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. Um, and uh, uh, for me, I mean, it, it, I just was like, <laughs> you'll hear. I mean, I was just going, whoa, 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 whoa. I know. I love it um, when you don't have any chill because you usually really are good at that. <laughs> and so when your mind's blown and you like act like it is, I love that. Oh, I did. Was I? Well, it genuinely like in a good way. Yeah. There, there were just a couple of moments because um, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him what we were going to talk about. I just gave him really vague. You know, sort of like hey, let's talk about salvation and let's just see. <laughs> so when I hit him with. With that first question, I had no idea we were going to go into the, into the waters where we went to. So that's awesome. Okay, I got big news, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we, your humble hosts of the Vox Podcast, are going to be hosting a conversation where Bonnie already hosted this, so this is where she and Gambas became best buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we are hosting a conversation called heated 
And it is an event in Costa Mesa, October, when is it, Bonnie? 18th? 18th, Friday. Yeah, Friday the 18th, That in the evening. In the evening. And, Friday uh, the 18th, rated R. Um, <laughs> it's in the evening, and... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and and it's uh it's so so he did has been a conversation um that that's that's been around a topic very near and dear to us about about women in leadership and ministry and pastoral leadership and all of those sorts of things bonnie hosted um and participated in a conversation with gombas about this what, what month was that that was in bonnie? may in may okay so but but bonnie and i and tim are all going to be down um for this heated conversation in October 18th, and um, and we're going to be talking about why we changed our mind, why we both, Bonnie and I, yeah. um, started from a position that was very conservative and moved to a position that's still very conservative, um, but we feel that it better represents the the Bible's teaching on this, about affirming women in, in all levels of leadership yeah. and, and all their giftedness. Yeah. And uh, Bonnie, do you want to say anything about it? I just think it'll be good. I think um, it'll be nice to see... Uh, I don't know. I think there's a misconception that people are born with one thought and then they stay with that thought. Um, so it'll be nice to see us both just talk about kind of our stories and how that played out. Um, but they're also kind of intertwined in a lot of different ways. So um, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be really fun. It's highly interactive. Yes. So so uh, very, much, very, very, very Q&A-ish. Yeah, and like so... interrupting us Q&A. Yes. Yeah, and it's free. And uh... – and it's free. It's totally free. So come check it out. Bonnie, where would you find info on this? Um, they have a heated Facebook page. They have a heated okay. Instagram page. But also we'll post it on our own when we get the flyer on our own Facebook page Boom. and Instagram page as well. Um, and even though it is free RSVP, though, because um, when I was there last, they had wine and snacks after. And I do think that there's going to be some music. So it should be a really fun time. That's awesome. And and everyone can meet Tim and see his hair. I know. I've never met Tim. Not in person. Not in, Well, yes, obviously. So <laughs> this will be good. This will be good. All right. So anyway, friends, uh, check that out. And uh, we'd love to see you there. All right. So we've got a couple pieces of business before we get to the interview. First of all, it is unbelievably important if you are a regular listener of the podcast that you like, subscribe, rate and review us and um and and i know you know everyone's asking for for that sort of action that's what that's a weird way to say that that sort of um (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm trying to say is listen everybody's uh, looking for that kind of action (laughs) what we're saying is (laughs) what we're saying is that it's super helpful um, th- this, we, we want the Vox podcast to really develop, uh, and, and it is, I mean, we're seeing it, but to, to develop into something more than just, uh, a piece of abstract content, you know, once a week, we're interested in, um, seeing some other things happen and, um, and your assistance in the, in the rating and reviewing and subscribing stuff that, that matters, uh, in the algorithms and, you know, it's all super technical stuff. Tim would have to explain it to me for me to understand, but it, it matters. Am I right, Tim? Yes, sir. <laughs> and then, and then secondly, 
Um, we want you to know that that the 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 podcast every week is really brought to you by you. In other words, um, we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit. We run solely on um, listener uh, support and donations. And so, if you want to keep this going, go visit Vox Podcast. Dot com. There are a couple of different ways that you can participate into the community. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the blowing of the Vox team's mind with Tim Gombas. Hey everybody, welcome to the Vox podcast. I am here with our friend Tim Gombas, Dr. Tim Gombas. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. What's happening? Tim, Tim just, if I can, if I can brag on you a little bit, Tim just uh, off air revealed his morning routine, which is by far more productive than, than most of our days. It sounds like, it sounds like it should be. <laughs> but an eight might included, included. So up at three-ish, uh, two hours of reading, two hours of walking, eight mile walk, big breakfast, and then the rest of us are getting up. So that's so. So what have you done today, audience? That's uh, that's nothing compared to what's already happened. So so Tim, uh, today I thought Tim is if if you're new to the podcast, Tim has been so gracious to be um, a regular contributor on the podcast. He's a Pauline scholar and. A gentleman, and um, and we've just super enjoyed our conversations. But today, Tim, I thought um, we would cover some of the some of the bigger issues um, in uh, Pauline theology, and uh, I, so I'd love to talk about just why why, according to Paul, did Jesus have to die? Um, so the, if the story of the the big story of the gospel is sort of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Why did that require the death of Jesus in order to be accomplished? Wow. That's a right? big question. That is a big question. Why did Jesus have to die? Yeah, why couldn't God just sort of overlook it? As as Paul seems to indicate in other places, God, you know, until now, God has overlooked. He's been patient with you. But now he demands people everywhere to repent. Why? Why? Why was there a death required to tell yeah. that story? Uh, okay, so great question. That's I'm stalling. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> this, uh, in my opinion, I'll just tell you how I think about this. Yes, because uh, yes, yes, I, I think yes. this may be different than um, a typical assumption. I, I'll give you a wrong answer. All right. It is not the case, in my opinion, that Jesus had to die so that people could get their sins forgiven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Bro, the wrath of God was satisfied. The wrath of God against sin. Yeah, Romans 3 totally. says it. I totally hear you. So, so one okay, of the things so- that we do not do is we do not theologize from worship songs. We theologize from Scripture. Oh, come on. However, worship songs. Oceans, however, dude. Oceans. Uh, actually, okay, so this is a slight tangent. So many <laughs> worship songs come from the, or I use that term loosely, 
songs sung by uh, <laughs> songs sung in certain settings. Um, so many of these songs are, come from the same place as much of our theology in that it's all individualized mm. and it's all uh, about guilt and uh, wrath and anger and an angry God that is now uh, we're lucky not angry at us anymore, something like that. But right. anyway, that's a completely different uh, thing. It's it's hard to keep. It's hard for us to reckon with this. I think it's hard for most Western Christians to think about this, especially evangelicals, hmm. because we are individualized. Uh, everything is about um, the accounting that I have in in heaven. This that's sort right. of sin account, get that taken care of, get forgiveness, yep. get righteousness, etc. Yep. Um, it's hard for us to keep this in mind, but. Uh, sin, uh, people had sins forgiven before Christ died. So you've got um, saints under the old covenant that had their sins forgiven. That was not a problem. And the old covenant itself provided for uh, forgiveness of sins uh, so long as people were faithfully and routinely uh, attending, you know, tabernacle, then temple and offering sacrifices. So that was not the issue. Was it forgiveness though, or was it removal? Uh, forgiveness. Uh, I, because I, I, I look I, at like Yom Kippur and I'm like, well, that's, that's the cleansing of the temple. It's the sacrifice for the high priest and it's the removal yeah. of sin from the community. Yeah. It's placed on the goat. Right. So with that, I, yeah, I guess with that, I take include... that in the same sense as forgiveness. Sin's okay. gone. Okay. But I'm okay. thinking also in terms of, um, so many individuals are coming to offer sacrifices Mm-hmm. And it will be atonement for them. It will be for, you know, their sins will be forgiven. Okay. And then you've got people like, um, I mean, just in the flow of the biblical story, when, uh, what's, what are the names? Anna and Zacharias yeah. are there in the temple and they are righteous. So these right. are people that have their sins forgiven. They have a, a right relationship with God. So anyway, just to say, I do not think that Jesus died so that individuals could have their sins forgiven um I, I, we could circle back to the forgiveness of sins in oh, a second. yes oh yes I think, we will <laughs> to my mind the biggest issue uh for paul is that um it, from romans from galatians from ephesians uh first corinthians especially chapter 15 uh, but this is from mark uh at the end of mark with the tearing of the temple mm-hmm. veil mm-hmm. all of that uh, the death of Christ has to do with the destruction and judgment of the present evil age and the creation of the new creation. That's what the death of Christ secured. Um, and as part and parcel of that, the death of Christ accomplished the salvation of God's people um, because the way that Paul theologizes about this, all the people that ever come to Christ are grabbed hold of by the spirit and are baptized into Christ. Mm -hmm. So they, in a sense, travel the same journey as Christ did being born into the present evil age and then ending up resurrected into the new creation. So the death of Christ secured the the transformation of the cosmos and the, um, the rescue of God's people out of the present evil age into the new creation. That's okay. that's why Jesus had to die, because there's no other way that that could be accomplished. The the oh. absolute well, and, and the 
I would say this as well, along with that, um, if we just getting out of the lens of cosmic transfer for a second, um, Paul talks about how, uh, let's see here, this is partly Ephesians, but also mainly Romans uh, 7, Romans 8, uh, Romans 5 to 8, uh, sort of the apocalyptic take on Paul. Um, the big problem coming out of the Old Testament is not merely that people are sinners, or individuals are sinners. That's not the big problem. Hmm. The big problem is that um, God's solution to everything, which is Israel, has failed because God's solution was uh, enacted within a situation of absolute cosmic enslavement. So mm -hmm. sin and death, these cosmic entities, along with flesh um, and the powers and authorities and Satan, had all hijacked God's good world, held it in their enslaving grip. God's solution, the law and Israel, uh, those cosmic powers hijacked and turned into sort of weapons in uh, to further, uh, how does, I think it's Trumper Longman's book and Dan Reed's book, God is Warrior. They say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that the cosmic powers hijacked the law and turned it into an unwitting accomplice of cosmic enslavement. Mm. And so because, because the whole move of God was hopelessly, you know, ended up in, the, in a cul-de-sac, uh, the only way for all of that to break loose is for the Son of God himself to arrive into the world and in his death to shatter that whole condition and to cleanse the universe, the, the cosmos, of these cosmic elements. So their, their, their enslaving grip has been broken and the renovation process that is getting rid of those cosmic entities, those hostile cosmic uh, entities, that process is not completely finished, which is what Paul says in First, first Corinthians 15. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God has exalted Christ the Lord mm -hmm. to start the process of renovating the cosmos. It's not done yet, people. The final enemy is going to be death. And then when Christ has defeated death and abolished death, then he hands over the whole thing to God the Father so that God may be all in all. Mm -hmm. So for Western Christians, it is almost impossible uh, because of the last 500 years of history, the last 1,700 years of history from Augustine onward, it's almost impossible for me to think about any elements of theology apart from what they have to do with me, right? what they have to do with you. right? And it's like, Paul's canvas and Jesus's canvas are, are far bigger. They're cosmic and the mm -hmm. story is far larger. And for the biblical writers, the death of Christ has to do with shattering the hold of these cosmic entities over creation and delivering the people of God into the new creation. So that's why Jesus had to die. But if he was atoning, if people were being atoned for prior to Jesus's death, then, then why the cosmic, why the, why the cosmic demand then for the death of the son? Yeah, great. Yeah, great question. So uh, individuals are being uh, forgiven. Individuals are being are reconciled to God before um, before the arrival of Jesus into the world. I mean, just to name a few: Isaiah, <laughs> Jeremiah. Um, I, mean, I mean, there are some. You know, there's there's a lot of righteous people before the arrival of Jesus into the world who have had their sins forgiven. David right. uh, celebrates having his sins forgiven. Um, but the problem at the end mm -hmm. of the Old Testament, as we arrive into the New Testament, 
the, the problem is that God does not have a corporate people that are acting as agents of the, re, of the reclaiming of the nations. Right. They become that, part of the problem. Yeah. They've, they've cast their lot with the problem. So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. like Israel uh, decided to be like the nations, not to be a light to the nations. So they're part of the problem. And so what God is still doing when Jesus arrives is he's forgiving individuals here and there, but his main, um, the reason why he sent Abraham out, called Abraham, and the reason why he even brought Israel out of the land of, of Egypt into the land of uh, blessing is so that he could have a corporate people that would act as agents of uh, international renewal, bringing all the nations back. So at the end of the Old Testament, that's the one thing that God does not have. And the reason he doesn't have it is because of uh, what he says to Israel, um, I have against you your sins. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the New Testament, when new biblical writers are talking about the forgiveness of sins, mm -hmm. that's the news that God is reclaiming a people. So he's, he's forming a people that he does not have sins against, like that he, he's not holding their sins against them. Mm. All along, individuals are being renewed. And, um, but, but that's not God's main, you know, that's, that's what he's also doing. But his big aim is to reclaim a people, which is why Jesus... Um, when he rides on the scene, calls 12 right. because he's rebuilding a people. Right. And the, the, he's, the kingdom of God has come and he's trying to bring people into this mission movement uh, to now reclaim Israel as the national agent of renewal. So, so he's looking and, for a corporate people to be the agency of renewal. And the sins have to be dealt with so that he might dwell among them? Yes. So, yes, so that, so that God could dwell among his people. He has... That's the Adam. That's an Adam and Eve story, right? Right. Once they sin, they're cast in a sense from His presence. Yep. That's the Israel tabernacle, then yeah, temple leaving story. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So so. Okay. L l let me uh, finish your thought, and then there's so many questions. I'm so glad I asked. Oh, that. totally. So this is a, yeah, a, yeah, nothing but questions because for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so much of my theology was built up around yep. individualistic yep. soteriology. That's it. I'm going to read uh, Romans 3 to you in a second. <clears throat> oh, I have it open. Ah! <laughs> it's um, Physician, so heal our, thyself. So much of our theology is built around individualistic soteriology and ordo salutis. And if that is shattered, you end up with nothing but questions. But the, the problem for me always was, I have this individualistic soteriology, which means that about 40% of Romans makes good sense, about 20% <laughs> of Galatians makes good sense, but why is there an Old Testament? Because that's irrelevant. Why right. is there Jesus and the Gospels? Because almost all of it's irrelevant except the Passion accounts. Right. So, I mean, you do. it is unsettling to kind of reorient your theology away from an individualistic perspective, but so much of the Bible is then delivered back to you. But the biggest thing that Jesus' um, death accomplished is, is the, the promise that God could now, once again, dwell among his people. And mm -hmm. that's happening among the New Testament people of God. That is the temple that God, yeah. by his spirit, yeah. is dwelling among his people. And that's the arena. Uh, the name of that arena is called the forgiveness of sins. So it's, Ooh. Not, Ooh. it's not merely the case yeah. that, yeah. that, like, there's a ledger in heaven and yes. it's all black and I got 
you know, I quote unquote got saved and now it's all wiped clean. Right. Uh, what, what has happened is that God has, because he has shattered the rule and the enslaving grip of these hostile cosmic powers, he has cleared space within the cosmos where he can now dwell with people. And that space is increasing and, and expanding until finally it overtakes all of creation. But when I turn to the Lord, I am absorbed into that space by the Spirit, and the place I live my life, the air I breathe, is called the forgiveness of sins. Because so, that's, yeah. I, and that's my dwelling among His people, my being attached to His people. All that takes place by the Spirit. So that's been the great, one of the the best contributions of N.T. Wright has been the idea that exile and forgiveness of sins <clears throat> are utterly related. Yeah, totally. And that yeah. uh, would that then play into individualized stories in the Gospels where, you know, they dig a hole through a roof or the, the woman uh, with the issue of blood or um, the, the, the woman that anoints his feet. They're all there. Your sins are forgiven. Is yeah. it just a statement of um, personal righteousness but it is also a state of like restoral restoral restoring back into the renewed people yeah is that right yeah, to oh totally uh yeah it's funny because the the account of the the paralytic who gets lowered down through the roof uh he it's it's hilarious he's the least relevant character in that whole narrative totally. he doesn't do anything no nope. there are no verbs attached to him in those accounts <laughs> it's his friends it's jesus and then um, it's a complete shock at the end where Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. So totally. it's, it's, uh, it's not, he doesn't do anything. But he leads with that. Totally. That's the first thing. And it's like, wait, that raises questions. Like, wait a minute, this guy didn't uh, confess sins. He didn't repent. No. Well, the reality is that with Jesus and in his presence, kingdom presence has broken out and just, you know, without any relevance to like, I shouldn't go that far without necessary relevance to people's wills. That's not the issue. Right. Kingdom space is just grabbing people. It's just, it's just overtaking uh, what had been sort of like overcome by sickness and by demon possession. Right. Kingdom presence is breaking out and it's reclaiming people. And that one way of saying that is sins are forgiven. Like God is, he's building his people right. uh, into this corporate body that is the agency of reclamation of even more people got it so it's the it's the welcome home from exile but exile is no longer tied to land yeah uh i'm still in process on uh, on exile kind of stuff I'm, i i think okay. i maybe we don't have to camp exile, there. but um the way that i read the gospels is that jesus is actually at this point is how i read them yeah. Jesus is building his people and the initial, the initial uh, um, corporate people that he's recalling, he's actually Israel's sort of final prophet. He's calling Israel back to faithfulness so that Israel right. itself right. can be the national agent of the reclaiming of the Gentiles. But because they refuse, um, then the corporate body of God's people who are, it's his agent, becomes this sort of uh, international Jew and Gentile body. That's the church that is not right. the same as Israel. Right. Um, I don't know. That gets kind of confusing, but. <laughs> so, so could we tell the story 
could we could one of the ways we tell the story be this way and, and i and i'm trying this on um I, I i subscribe to the the temple building theory in genesis one and two right oh yeah that, totally that he's that that God is it, that God is intending for the earth to be His temple, but He starts oh, yeah. in the garden, yep. and He starts with prototypical humans. They're not the only humans, right? And to build this out, yep. and to take over the whole world, yeah. That project gets hijacked, uh, particularly in Genesis six. Oh yeah, um, and that I think that passage is so crucial for the flood narrative and what what happens next. And so God. God sees his good creation and the agents of his uh, rulership now have been uh, hijacked. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worship and serve created things, blah, blah, blah. Um, so God inaugurates a new people through Abraham and invites them to a new Eden, the promised the, the promise land, Canaan. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing happens. Yep. Uh, um, the same corruption happens so that by the end of the... The story, God's has his presence has left the temple. His people are there's a remnant, which is a huge, you know, uh, theme. Yeah, uh, and and I, and I I'm, I'm just checking my work here. It, it, and then and then, so you're left with this hanging sort of question: Has the entire project failed? Yeah, is there any hope for Israel? Jesus comes as the agent of renewal, so that's why his life matters. Is that yeah. he is. He is, he's bringing new creation with him and inviting people into it. The repent, here's the kingdom. Yeah. And tied to the appearance of the kingdom is the idea of forgiveness of sins. But more central to that is Jesus's presence among people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then he's inviting people into that reclaimed um, agency now that is a renewed Israel. Could we say that? That he's renewing uh... Israel? I, I'm not so sure. I think Israel's sort of, I'm, to, in my opinion, the church is this renewed corporate people that includes sort of uh, proto-Israel. So like Jew and Gentile in the hopes of one day Israel being fully reclaimed. But I, the, the way that I understand it is that the current people of God, the church, the, the, the public embodiment of the gospel is not, is not the same as Israel. Got it. But I, 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 but I honestly don't get fired up about it if, if people call yeah. it Israel. It's just, it's just really, it's kind of, I think it's a hair's breadth difference. Right. Um, in fact, I'm, anyway, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're well, the, grafting, the grafting analogy is the one that throws me. Have we yeah. been grafted into Israel? See, that's the thing. It seems to me that it's, that's grafting into the, the, uh, the fathers or the, or the Abrahamic mission. And that Israel okay. is a fellow branch to the church. And Israel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not, I just, I'm, I'm reading Scott McKnight's book, reading Romans backwards, and he seems a little bit ambivalent. I think he also sees the root as Israel. Mm. So that like the current body of people are actually like to use Galatians 6 language, like the Israel of God. Right. You know That's what I mean? how, yeah, I and that may that be, I, I'm still up in the air on some of those things. Yeah, well, it's good to hear that you still are. Um, <laughs> so let's go to Romans 3. Okay. Because this is, you know, this is the individualized um, salvation theology that, you know, I've always heard and taught and whatever. So, so um, 
we'll pick it up second part of verse 22 there's no difference between Jew and Gentile all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus now this one whew, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Now, I, my translation will have justice there. Um, he, will, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Yeah. Right. So, so the way the way I've seen that I've seen that written before um, is that he had to punish sin to demonstrate his righteousness or justice. Right. So he. So I mean, you know the story, right? God is perfectly holy. We are not. We've accrued a sin debt with God. That sin yeah. debt could only be paid by Jesus Christ and my faith in Him and the shedding of His blood. I am there. I am thereby imputed righteousness. Jesus has been imputed my sin, and boom! I now stand justified before Him. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I was, I, this is what I had been taught my whole life. Um, I mean, what I see here is uh, yeah. Why don't you go through it? Okay. Well, so, so the larger argument of Romans one to three is um and i think scott's new book reading romans backwards is awesome on this yeah he's so great excited. it's on my list um romans one to three is basically uh and this gets at your uh what you kind of what we were texting about with regard to atonement theories yes, um, yes, yes, yes. that's where we're headed oh cool there's yeah <laughs> Bore me to death. No, that's all right. No, no, no. Because um, uh, Romans 3, let me just see here. Um, okay, so in Romans 3, the atonement theory starts it uh, with the pont with the all in verse 23. Okay. Right. And what is interesting here is that uh, all of that grammatically is subordinate. Verses 23 to 26 is, in a sense, grammatically subordinate, and I'm not going to say irrelevant, but it, it uh, buttresses some of what Paul is saying. But uh, the main line of his argument is, is not that. He's not so interested in the atonement huh. theory. Huh. Um, what's going on in Romans is that there are... Uh, in uh -huh. Rome, there are two there are two factions in the Do Roman it. communities that are that are uh, fighting, uh, the strong and the weak, and it appears that uh, it's either Jewish Christians or Gentiles that have taken on Jewish practices. Mm -hmm. They are passing judgment on Gentiles who are remaining Christian, but be are remaining Gentiles as Christians. Right, and so there are two factions, and so Paul only brings up justification to say um, you are the same. You are on the same basis. There's no it's, difference. Right. The biggest statement in the yes. passage you just read 
is that the statement. There is no distinction. <laughs> in fact, that very statement comes up several times in Romans because that's his burden in this whole letter. Yeah. You're the same. So the way that I'd want to uh, emphasize this is that in uh, Romans uh, 2, 1 to 20, he has just devastated, yeah. uh, taken the knees out of the claim uh, on the part of the group of people that are passing judgment on the Gentiles saying that they're less godly, you know, we're the, we're the ones who have scripture on our side. They're less godly. Um, you know, it's to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I think that's a slogan. They're actually kicking around in Rome. Paul uses that. Hmm. Um, and so after he clears all that ground in verse 21, he says that, uh, but now apart from law, like completely apart from God's work with Israel, uh, the righteousness of God is being manifested, being testified by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ uh, for all who believe. And so he's putting his arms around both groups. For there is no distinction. Right. And then he comes back to the main line of his argument, verse 27, where then is boasting? And he's talking about the boasting of one group against the other group. It's eliminated. If you read scripture rightly, if you read the law rightly, not as uh, Torah having um, commending to Gentiles Jewish works, but if you read Torah as this sort of uh, as scripture that um, generates faith. But anyway, um, to my mind, Romans is all about bringing those two factions together. And Romans 23 to, 20 set, to 26, where Paul does get into some of the mechanics of atonement, Right. Um, realities like okay here's how it actually worked I, I think what Paul is doing um, is is basically saying in in 23 to 26 like I said this is grammatically subordinate I think he's actually lifting up the hood on the car of salvation uh, and getting into the gears and getting into all the stuff that you know works under the surface and is saying here's what has actually happened hmm. now in a sense, I think so much of this is quite irrelevant uh, to much of being Christian. Uh, it's not necessary to, to know exactly how God did all of this. What's necessary is to participate in it. Hmm. Uh, but to, to know all the mechanics is not necessary you know, to drive me a car, sort of just to draw out that analogy. Right. However, uh, verse 23, you have another contest. You have another all. And Paul is stressing for all sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. And that's something that's in dispute in the Roman fellowships. So okay. one group is saying, we're the ones who are not mired in the history of Gentile sin. That group is, we're the godly ones. We're the righteous ones. And Paul is going to get very sarcastic in chapter five, <laughs> when he says something like, uh, for, you know, someone would hardly die for a righteous person. Basically, if that group in Rome is insisting on the fact that they're righteous, then they're outside the scope of the death of Christ. Hmm. Um, but certainly it is the case that when you look at the mechanics that God has, uh, God has, has passed over. He, he, he has allowed, and I don't think this is merely Israel sin. I think this is Jewish and Gentile sin. He has not chosen to unleash his full fury on universal humanity that has all given itself over to idolatry. He has chosen to pour out, to expend, uh, to pile up wrath on Jesus in Jesus's death. Um, 
So, and that does secure the salvation and the forgiveness of sins for all the people who are part of the people of God. So, so are you saying that part of the traditional story is true, that sin incurs wrath, and that there is a ledger, um, well, a corporate one, minimally? Uh, I, I think that that's um, I think that's too thin of an account. Here's Ooh. how here's how I would say it. I love it. Or I wouldn't say it this way. I think this is what Paul is getting at. Uh, with Adam's sin, I think that he gets at this in Romans five. Let me just, Adam's can sin, I just say, Tim, I'm sorry what? to interrupt you. I'm just grateful that sometimes thin is used as a pejorative. <laughs> okay. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. Totally. Always in the history of language <laughs> too thin, right? I'm, I'm just coming off of uh, a watched true grit the other night, the new, Ooh, the Cohen the brothers new one. one. Yeah. And uh, that's where uh, lucky Ned says too thin rooster too thin. I love that. That's a great scene. Um, hey, what, what, what are we talking about? I'm so sorry. I, you, you had some good stuff going. I just I, I hijacked it. No, okay. I would say uh, it's it's too thin Breath. of an account to talk about this accounting imagery. I think that's where we've gotten off track as well. Thinking that all of this has to do with like a a court scene drama and like a, an accounting office and all this. There's so much else going on, and the dominant uh, scene that Paul portrays is that when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, when humanity left, um, stepped outside of God's will and cast its lot with chaos and disorder and disobedience, um, they unwittingly opened some kind of hidden doors in the cosmos. And Paul talks about in Romans 5, sin entered and death with sin. These, these kind of cosmic marauders have just swept across the face of everything. And in, at the end of Romans 3, and uh, at, the end, at the end of Romans 1, at the end of Romans 3, Paul talks about how these elements have actually hijacked bodies. So their feet are swift to shed blood, their hands, their mouths, their lips, their tongue. I mean, every, every body part of all of humanity has been hijacked and invaded and infested and infected with sin. So that the corporate body of humanity and individual bodies are all um, not merely... It's not merely the case that each has sinned and each is guilty. We are all captive and enslaved and mired in guilt and uh, subject to wrath. And it's not merely that the, the judge is wrathful against sin. It's that wrath, and, and God, it's partly God's wrath, but it's also disembodied or disconnected wrath in Paul. Wrath itself is just unleashed on creation. And we're, it's, it's got us all in its grip. So, so, so wrath... Wrath is part of the reaping and sowing yeah, of the so world. It's part of the present evil age. It's like the air. It's like the molecules of the present evil age are sin, death, flesh, and wrath. And all of that uh, has us all headed for destruction in the end. So, and, so, there, so it's not like God is up there smiting. No. Okay. Well, that because that's the image. Yeah, is that, that's is that the God's image in Western pissed. theology, which is... Um, there's a long heritage of this, but going back the last 500 years, when theology is put into the hands of European, you know, legal theorists, this is how they will give it to us. Hmm. That uh, this whole thing is based on this legal theory with a judge and guilty parties and et cetera, et cetera. But that's not Paul's worldview. It's hmm. this whole cosmos that's been infected and uh, uh, humans, I mean, uh, yes, we are guilty, and we are culpable, 
but we are also enslaved. So right. this is why right. the dominant metaphors of salvation in the Old Testament and New are mostly having to do with redemption, which is mm -hmm. liberation. Mm -hmm. uh, we are set free. We're bought out of the slave market, etc. Where it's not merely the case that we, um, it's, it's not merely legal. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it has to do with a larger set, a larger scenario. Um, so when it comes to wrath and all that, uh, it, it's part of this larger scenario that it's, it's a network or a web or a, um, this very complex fallen dynamic that we are enmeshed in and salvation is, is, uh, like in Galatians one, we are snatched out of the present evil age and delivered into the kingdom of his beloved son, which is Colossians one. So that's so, why, that's why God's judgment in Romans one consists of giving us over. Yeah, that's right. So it, God is not, uh, this, uh, you know, passive, emotionless, condescending judge, just making sure that everybody's uh, uh, sinful actions merit, you know, a just result. He's this brokenhearted creator watching his creation go off track. And because of his character, he's letting it take place. Um, because, you know, and when humans choose this, he gives them to it. He's, he's not stopping humans from, um, uh, from pursuing this course of destruction, which is a, it's a terrible place to be in, to be sort of cosmically independent mm -hmm. uh, because we were, we're subject well, we're to not. kind of a madness. We, yeah. We think we're independent. Yeah. That's, it's a that's the lie. Totally. Yeah. That is the lie. And then you find out you're not independent. You're actually enslaved to a different master. It's very cruel. Yes. There's just a lot of promise up front and no payoff afterwards. Whereas, you know, the way of the cross is nothing but pain until the end. And then it's promised from then on, you know, after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So as far as the, all the wrath and judgment, um, it does attach to each one of us, but we are attached to this larger dynamic. And mm -hmm. God has chosen to not um, bring all of his judgment to bear on uh, corporate sins, individual sins, but he's chosen not to just judge the whole thing. Uh, but to have all that pile up on Jesus, to have him be the agency of the destruction and shattering of the whole old order and the agent of the creation of this new order that we are brought into. Mm -hmm. So Christ died when God raised him from the dead. That was the creation of this new creation. So he's raised into resurrection life. Mm -hmm. And all that are baptized into Christ by the Spirit are uh uh, put to, are, are put to death with regard to this old age and are raised to life with regard to the new age. Right. And then it's just a matter of working out our newness. That's what discipleship is. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Not just a matter of that, but I would say it's actually, it's actually a matter of thinking uh, of trying this on like this whole new thing we brought into, we've been brought into like, how, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's live into this, new creation reality that is that is itself the forgiveness of sins that is itself resurrection life that is itself new creation that is itself christ i mean we are in christ we are in the resurrection age already even though we still inhabit the dying remnants of the present evil age as it goes down to destruction hmm. Hmm. i don't know if that makes sense mike but that's the larger mm -hmm. the story is not a story of i was a guilty sinner i am now a righteous saint the story is uh, the cosmos has been transformed 
and I'm part of that larger story. I've been brought into that, uh, and that's what I what I now inhabit, along with my, you know, the community that I'm baptized into. Mm-hmm. So if I am uh, somebody who is not a Jesus follower, and I have very little exposure to church and to scripture and concepts, and I say to you, I discover you here or somewhere, and I say, okay, so how do I become a Christian? Or what is it? Let's start with what does it mean to be a what Christian? Is, oh, yeah. What's the gospel? What's the what's the thing? How would you tell that story to somebody who's not? If, if we're not going to use the individual sin, guilt, you know, wrath poured out on Christ, I'm now righteous story. Then what's the story you tell in that scenario? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, a lot of what we've talked about to this point is. Um, is the kind of stuff that um, that Jesus followers learn over a lifetime. So, mm-hmm. uh, right, it's a diff- it's a completely different thing to talk about um, to talk with unbelievers that are interested in this whole thing. Right, in my mind, I would just absolutely say, yeah follow Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him, and uh, uh, you know the gospel is. Um, uh, become a follower. Jesus calls us to follow him and, and to experience life. I, th- frankly, the way that I see this, the whole enchilada, I'm getting hungry. It's the middle of my day here. <laughs> That's right. about burritos. Three. The whole big fat burrito. Yes. Uh, is, is all and the fat, gospel. Fat there is a good thing. <laughs> oh, so definitely. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I've been thinking about burritos. <laughs> I have to take off here for lunch. The whole thing is the gospel, right? Okay, so the gospel. Now, um, so much to say about this. Yeah, it, in the New Testament, the gospel is not an entrance message. Okay, so the gospel is any kind of speech about the whole reality. So mm-hmm. we can talk about Jesus. You could talk about uh, the corporate behaviors of the church. Talk about uh, the future promise of God's people. Uh, uh, all those kinds of things. Uh, that's all gospel talk. And much gospel talk has to take place among Christians because we're talking about what this whole thing is. But when I talk to an unbeliever uh, and they're interested in this whole thing, what I want what I want to see when I'm looking at them and talking to them mm-hmm. is I don't want to see someone who I've got to boil this all down to to see that they're going to get in. Um, what I want to see is somebody that I hope will be someone that commits themselves to learning what this whole thing is about over 25 years. So mm. I can choose to talk about any part of it. So um, it's not a, so it's not a entrance line or an entrance exam. No way. I, th- yeah, there's no formula uh, to get in. Um, what? And I, I say this because all of this is, I prayed a prayer, bro. Me too. Every summer at summer camp. Yes. And then like youth group, particularly after kissing a girl at times. summer camp. Yes. Um, Jesus' speech to so many different characters in the Gospels is different. Yeah. Be, where are they? What's their story? What's their background? Right. That all matters. Um, so it seems to me that uh, none of this can take place in a hypothetical. Mm. Uh, I'm talking to this person about Christian existence. Well, that puts the onus on me to get to know them over a long period of time. What's their story? What's their, are they brokenhearted? 
when a person is brokenhearted and Jesus is talking to them, uh, it's it does it sounds it sounds compassionate. It sounds inviting. It sounds gracious. It sounds hopeful, uh, patient. Uh, are they are they defiant? Well, when Jesus is talking to someone defiant uh, or a high-handed sinner or someone who's exploiting or mistreating someone else, Jesus' speech is very different. It's not compassionate and it's not you know mm-hmm. uh, sweet and patient. It's confrontational. Um, the same thing with all of the New Testament writers. The the gospel words on target. Uh, for different communities dealing with different issues are always different because the gospel meets uh, human uh, depravity or human depredation or human discouragement or human need with various words. Is it a word of hope? Is it a word of comfort? Mm -hmm. Is it a word of confrontation? Um, And when I just give a formula, I sound like somebody who is very shallow and who's just given someone a sales pitch and in my opinion does not understand what this whole thing is about. Hmm. I want to talk to an unbeliever from the place of being on a journey to try to understand this amazing thing that God has brought me into and inviting a fellow potential, potential fellow learner uh, on that journey with me. Mm -hmm. So I can talk about any part of it. Um, Hmm. And, and all of that is, you know, quote unquote gospel. The, the thing that's a mystery is uh, God's regeneration of a person is completely up to him. When does that take place? Hmm. I mean, uh, I've known people who have passionately and dramatically committed themselves to Christ for a season, only later to turn away. Mm-hmm. I've known people that uh, there was a long runway, like a long takeoff. <laughs> and we've had, we had conversations. I wasn't sure where is this going? Right. And then come to find out later, the whole time, roots were just deepening. There was mm. so much going on that I didn't have uh, privy to. And uh, so, I mean, I've gone back and asked myself this question. I had urgency with this second person. There was no urgency with the first person because they just displayed so much passion. Uh, it may have been the case, and I don't know what God does or doesn't do, but it may have been the case that in that first instance, God's regenerating work never showed up. I thought it did. Man, the person was on fire. Right. The second person, uh, when did God's regenerating work show up? Was it, right. was it on day four? Was it on day 16? Was it on was day 8,000? I don't know. Bro, it was before eternity began when he chose them. <laughs> Come on, man, man. Oh, man. Clearly. So I, to my mind, uh, good gospel work involves genuine conversation, Letting things yeah. take place as they're going to happen, and being uh, and maintaining that posture of invitation, but taking my responsibility to uh, be a genuine human in the midst of a conversation. Uh, yeah, with speaking with unbelievers is a very complicated mm-hmm. enterprise when it comes to all this, and I think we would do far better to leave it complicated and just be genuine. Because I think the Christian lack of genuineness is driving far more people away from the church than almost anything else. <laughs> By the way, I uh, was thinking about this the other day. It's interesting that Paul faced these kind of challenges. In mm. Acts 13, mm. is he with Barnabas on his first journey there? They go to the synagogue, hardcore theology. It's all about the Old Testament story. 
It's about figures. I mean, you know, here's what God is doing in the world and the Jews get it and they're mad about it. And so that, you know, things go kind of wonky. <laughs> What's interesting is in Acts 14, they go to Gentiles right. that have no connection to the biblical story. They preach the gospel. Paul heals somebody, dramatic sign. Uh, and the audiences draw the conclusion that the pagan gods have showed up in the persons of Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, yeah. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now that we're in a very different setting with very different people who have no connection to the story of the scriptures of Israel, we have to completely change how we do this. Hmm. And Paul starts spending like six months doing gospel work, three years doing gospel work, instead of just like hit a town and preach, go to jail, get out. It's like, yeah. Yeah, is that when he changed. did the Tyrannus? The, the school yeah, of Tyrannus? Yeah, in, in Ephesus. And he's, he's in places for long periods of time, and there's still no guarantee that it's going to take hold because uh, these are cultures that are embedded in very different narratives. Right. So with an, you know, in a paganized culture like our own, I would expect you know, evangelism to take uh, you know, decades, not to take you know, a, a public event or a one-shot kind of a deal. Uh, to explain all this um, takes years. And I think it's a better thing to invite people into the church's own exploration of just what God did to us when he brought us into this. Mm. So the idea that, that, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm partial devil's advocate, partial being, you know, provocative, but the idea that we say to people, hey, you've just prayed a prayer and you're in. Yeah actually could be very harmful oh sure yeah to them. yeah yeah it gives it's all kinds of like wrong assurance and i don't know i mean do they even know what happened do we know what happened um yeah it's just not any kind of a connection to anything that you find in scripture i don't know i've met i've met people though i've met people who've had genuine experiences that that was the beginning of something that's good you know that's good that's good. I don't, I, I, I'm happy about that. There are a lot of people that did that and then that led to nothing. Right. So in, in uh, the New Testament, in Acts, uh, when you've got Apollos, is this Acts 18? He shows up somewhere and there's a bunch of believers. Mm-hmm. He encourages them to continue in the grace of God. When Paul hears about this outbreak of kingdom life in Colossae because of Epaphras, he writes to them and to, to continue. That to me indicates that um, the day of beginning is the least significant day of being Christian. What matters is today, tomorrow, and especially the most important day is the day of Christ at the end. Hmm. So I I just actually wouldn't worry about necessarily getting people in Hmm. um, or to pray a prayer or to to kind of secure it. I think we have the sense that if we can just secure this thing, like just lock it down, then, you know, the, the, the pressure's off and we know that that person's in the spirit is in them and they kind of can continue. Hmm. Uh, that's not how things work in the new Testament. Uh, the spirit is among the people of God. And if someone comes in and claims to be among them, then we as the church all go to work and um, get busy becoming community kingdom community to make it to the day of Christ. Hmm. Uh, if somebody, oh, if somebody oh, claims man. that they're in, that's when the pressure starts. That's not mm. when the pressure is off. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like if someone claims yes. to be in, it's like, all right, 
let's go. Here, here we go. It's, it's about learning the practices of forgiveness, learning the practices of confession of sin. All that takes a long time. Sure has for me, learning the practices of sharing my stuff, learning the practices of, of being committed to community over a period of decades, which is hard given the shape of our communities. Um, yeah, this, all this stuff is a lot more complicated and it's not about, you know, signing up to something. And once we've signed up, we're good. <laughs> You know, oh, uh, I I wanna. It's we're fifty minutes, five zero minutes in, and I mean, this plays so much into Romans nine through eleven and how you understand election. I mean that, you know, I I, I think I want to save that for another another podcast because the 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 way you've set out Romans drastically changes the way you read that word. You know, oh elect. election, oh yeah, totally. Yes. Yes. So, uh, bro, this is such great <laughs> thought-provoking stuff. Is there is there anything off the top of your head that uh, that someone could go to? Like I'm thinking of, you know, the drama of Ephesians. You've got the the parts there about the cosmic war that Paul is dealing with. But is there is there anything that comes to you right away that would be a good place to to start? on some of these, uh, reading Romans backwards, it sounds like. Oh, like an apocalyptic good. or a, to get that larger sense of things. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, JC Becker, B E K E R. Uh, that was reading him was for me a big, um, breakthrough and just seeing the larger drama, apocalyptic drama. There's oh. a, there's a new book, uh, a couple years old introducing apocalyptic, um, by, uh, excuse me. Uh, it's edited by Jason Maston, M-A-S-T-O-N, um, John Goodrich and Ben Blackwell. Mm. And it's called, I think it's, Tim uh, has put his glasses on and is looking at his bookshelves. <laughs> I, 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 so much of my brain is taken up with baseball statistics that there's so much biblical study stuff gets gets pushed out. I think it's called something like the apocalyptic imagination, but that's a really uh, that's an interesting book. Oh, I'll tell you a couple. There's two books. Okay, there's a uh, a, a book by a guy by the name of Philip Ziegler. Mm. Let me just get the spelling here, and. Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. Let me just get the, the title. I, I no, it's all right. It's in reading right. it this summer because what he does is he takes this whole new apocalyptic move in um, this apocalyptic move in uh, Pauline studies and biblical theology. And he applies it to theology hmm. and he kind of lays out a theology of, you know, kind of like an apocalyptic uh, hmm. theology. Okay. Yeah, that- here it is. It's called Militant Grace. <laughs> it is awesome. I wow. mean, it's one, of, it's one of those books where I've got way more writing in the book than he does. It's, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is so, it's absolutely thrilling. His why, are you name taking, is, why are you taking all my money when you make all these recommendations? Dude, I'm telling That's you, this, this will be more than repay it. All right. Z-I-E-G-L-E-R, Philip Ziegler. The book is Militant Grace, and there's uh, what's the other one I was going to mention? Uh, 
actually there's a book by Beverly Gaventa called uh, St. Paul, Our Mother, hmm. where she goes into some of the maternal imagery that Paul uses about himself. Thessalonica, and, yep. Oh, Thessalonians, Galatians, Romans. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, yeah. uh, Corinthians, he's a nursing mother. It's really crazy. Right. But she also uh, correlates Paul in labor with the Galatians to the cosmos hmm. in labor uh, until um, – until it's transformation in Romans eight. So the cosmos mm-hmm. is in labor. Uh, yeah. Romans five through eight is so fascinating along these lines. Beverly event is helpful. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. clearest writing Pauline scholars, mm-hmm. she's just so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's which of those, funny. which of those books would you start with? Uh, Ziegler? Is that who oh, it was? Boy, boy it's, it's tough for me to choose. <laughs> I've got them both right by my couch. I love it. I love I'm, it. I'm in the middle of them it. both. Oh, I would so good. I would make a long-term project of both of those books. They're both so okay. great. Okay. Um, All right. There's one other one I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Bruce Longnecker has a book called The Triumph of Abraham's God. Oh, no, I have not heard of that one. The Transformation of Identity, Christian Identity in Galatians. Ooh. That book, so Bruce was my uh, doctoral yep. supervisor. Yep. And... Uh, I read that book. I was like, I've never heard of any of this stuff before. And it, it blew my mind. He got, it was actually Bruce that got me into this whole world of apocalyptic. And um, it's, it's the small book on Galatians that is just, it's one of the best things on Galatians that are out there. And it's, you know, it's awesome. But the, the, I think the one thing that I'm struck by uh, is how much easier it is to show that Jesus and Paul are telling the same story, yeah. when we tell the story, the, the Paul version of the story this way, yeah. as opposed to, because one of the big things I've always heard is, well, Jesus preaches the kingdom, yeah. Paul pe- preaches the cross. Oh, totally. And how do those two gospels fit? Yeah. Well, if you go into what kingdom of God turns out to mean, yeah. you're automatically in the apocalyptic worldview. Oh, totally. Of, of Paul. Yep. And so, so that's much easier on, on your accounting to say, no, no, this was, this was, this is Paul just mapping Jewish categories onto Greek categories, but it's the exact same story. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's Paul, the Jewish thinker, uh, articulating for communities, what Jesus's whole deal, uh, uh, you know, it's implications for community life. Yeah. Um, Yeah, honestly, Mike, that was for me when I started out in seminary, that was probably my biggest biblical theological problem. Mm. How can Jesus and the Old Testament be kind of casting this whole vision and then Paul come along and it's so different? Right, right. So Jesus, yeah, in fact, I, I would ask it of myself this way. It's a problem for me that as a Christian, Jesus is a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that's got to be a problem. Yep. So um, what, what I, what's been helpful for me is to actually read Western history and American history and American evangelical history and to see how saturated we are in individualism and in Western categories and how we've ended up reading Paul in terms of being this kind of individualized Western legal theorist like John Locke or right. whoever. And um, when, once we pull him out of that and see that he's a first century Pharisee and is steeped in the Old Testament and is simply an expositor of Jesus's vision of the kingdom, 
everything makes sense. Now I do have to then rework my whole theology, yep. but the vision starts to kind of you know fall Absolutely. along the right lines. Right. Well, you, you're just, I mean, for me, it was that the emphasis in the gospels on the exorcism ministry of Jesus yeah. and then Paul's connection into the apocalyptic worldview. Yeah. Um, and so the, you know, the, the, as I've, I've grown over the years, I've shifted more from penal substitution to more like Christus Victor. Yeah. Um, kind of unchaining us from the evil, from the powers of the age. Yeah, sure. That, that makes a lot of, more sense. I, um, my training was in biblical studies, not systematics. I did not know people have, I've had to have students, some of them upset, tell me this, that, you know, I'm, I'm a Christus Victor person or something like that. When mm. I didn't, I, I didn't intend to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm not foisting a theory. It's just that <laughs> first Corinthians 15 I mean, this is Jesus when uh, the disciples say, yeah, it's crazy, Jesus. We went out and did all this stuff. And he says, yeah, I saw Satan, Satan fall. fall. It's, it's this cosmic overthrow. Right. God is militantly taking his world back. We are plundering the yes, strong man. Totally. And, and you know, at the end, uh, Jesus is, establishes this kingdom by getting up on the throne, which is the cross. So it's a completely upside down kingdom. But it's all about overthrow of rule and the establishment of an alternative political order for the glory of God that invites people into it to experience its overpowering goodness and grace. And it's, it's cosmic, it's political, and uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's not, it's not shrunk-wrapped, thinned out, mm-hmm. you know, thinly sliced, having to do with my you know, heavenly ledger. <laughs> Whether or not I masturbated today, is that you're Whatever. telling me the gospel's bigger than that? Yes. I, you know, traffic today was bad getting here. You know, did I lose my temper? Oh no, I'm out. I don't know. <laughs> these are the, yeah, these are the kinds of things that I think that can hold us, uh, you know, when, once we're, actually, I would say it this way. The theology I inherited makes perfect sense in terms of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's exactly the yep. kind of theology I would construct. Yeah. Um, as a person who grew up in middle-class white culture, all oriented by guilt mm-hmm. and how bad sex is. So like <laughs> all my thoughts are bad. I'm a bad person. Yeah. Uh, so much of evangelical preaching has so much to work with. It's like, Absolutely. I've got all this, these reservoirs of guilt in my congregation. I can just go at that stuff and guarantee job security for you know, 25 years of a ministry. Sin, sin management, baby. So to, to get up and announce liberation and right. then to talk about its implications of right. our responsibility to live into liberation, which looks like postures of service and hospitality to people that culture says don't matter, that's a lot more complicated and open-ended, risky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not the kind of gospel we would come up with, actually. That's, that's a gospel from outside of ourselves. Mm. Um, I mean, that's not its ultimate test. Its ultimate test is, does it, is this actually what the scriptures say? But uh, I've discovered it's, it's a radically different kind of a gospel that, um, that clears space for people who constantly, uh, you know, miss the mark and aren't performing up to snuff and people who actually are in need of God's grace. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. it's one so, so what would we say to the holiness Wesleyan crowd that would 
chirp in and say, listen, you know, part of the deal is our sanctification on what, you know, and, yeah. and, and cause I've, I've preached in circumstances where that's the objection to, yeah. to which I find very affirming because that was the same objection given to Paul yeah. um, that he has to wrestle with. Right. I mean, if, yeah, that's right. I'm less, I'm less familiar with that kind of a crowd. So I can't really say so much about that. Okay. Except to say that, uh, uh, sanctification is also, uh, needs to be conceived in corporate terms. So sanctification is not simply the process of my, you know, me as an individual growing in Christ likeness, but sanctification is the, is also the name of God's people, the set apart people. It's not a process. It's a people. It's their, it's their address. It's who they, it's where they live. It's who they are. Hmm. And, if we want to talk about a process, what we can talk about is just the process corporately of learning these practices, forgiveness, growth and sharing, uh, mm. listening. This is uh, as a white man, this is part of my growth. Uh, listening when uh, women and people of color say, Hey, the social arrangement is, is not, uh, is, is working out for your privilege, but my oppression. So my growth in Christ is, leaning into that and listening and learning to identify where am I perhaps uh, benefiting and where can I be on the lookout for people who are uh, less privileged or who, or who uh, could use an advocate. Um, if God's set right people are, you know, God's new people that look like God's public justice, then my growth in Christ and our growth in Christ look like learning what the practices are that will manifest God's public justice. Uh, now that does include um, my personal holiness or my personal devotion, right? Yeah, I guess I just. Um, but I am I still too individualistic? I think so, or, or I just wonder. I'm always, I'm always needing to think about myself in relation. Right. So, um, so, so I talk to so many people um, who struggle with pornography. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah. so let's let's. I mean, I was going to wrap up, but holy crap, no, Tim! That's all right. This is the come. I, I don't even know how to title this episode. Like everything you've ever believed, all the stuff is a lie. Um, so so I'm wrestling with porn. I'll just make it about me. I'm wrestling with porn, and there's part of me that's hey, normal, natural. My marriage or my relationships or whatever just aren't fulfilling, blah, 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 blah. I come into a traditional evangelical environment and I'm confronted with my guilt and shame over this. Yeah. And I pray prayers of repentance for years. You yeah. know, God take the desire away, God. And so a lot of my devotional life becomes focused around avoiding porn. Yeah. So let's so so what advice or what counsel do you give somebody if we're not if we're trying to move away from just individualistic terms and conceptions of guilt and and sin how do we have that conversation about why a the battle should be fought against something like that but b then how do you do it in a way that honors the corporate um nature of sanctification does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah uh so to, to my mind, um, any and all practices and patterns of life are all part of webs. So um, like a porn addiction or uh, a variety of addictions or, or um, abusive behaviors, personal self-destructive behaviors or relational destruction, 
destructive behaviors. These are all parts of webs of destruction. So I would want to think about uh, how can I or how can this person um, identify a variety of sort of nodal points of that web of destruction and get themselves into a new uh, network of uh, that generates goodness. Mm-hmm. So, so, so no, define nodal point. Um, what are how many of what I'd ask myself or what I'd want to ask this person is or what I would ask you how 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 many touch points or how many features of your life are part of God's new creation dynamics? Mm-hmm. Like, so how, how wrapped up are you in the church? Uh, mm-hmm. Are, mm-hmm. Is it, is a part of your weekly practice that um, you're part of a group that is uh, helping homeless people get into sustainable housing? Are you part of a group that uh, is going into the city or are you a representative of our church group that is forging relationships with another church in a, a needy part of our city to figure out how to meet needs? Right. So, I mean, I'd want to first think about how can I um, wed my life as much as possible uh, to the to some touch points of new creation dynamics, which are generative of God's power in my life. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because typically, my life. Because I always think of that. I always think of that in terms of private spiritual disciplines, right? Sure. So, so yeah, Bible I, reading, prayer. Which I, I agree with totally. Yeah, Bible reading and prayer are fine. <laughs> um, but that's like, uh, that to my mind is akin to just putting my clothes on for the day. Like, what have I done? I've gotten dressed. Mm. But I've got to go out into the world and do stuff. Mm. And um, so I would not I would not depend on sort of Bible reading and prayer to have any kind of... Um, uh, divine empowerment attached to it. Does that make sense? Because no. All, because all I'm doing, if I'm reading the Bible, is I'm I'm growing in awareness that Jesus says to do stuff. Mm. So, it, the, it, then I see what you do mean. Do you know yes. what I'm saying? So, so if it's just if it's just reading and observing it, yeah, that's like, uh, yes, it is worthless. Yeah, it's James to, yeah, to know. Totally. Um, you know, get out into the world and find avenues of service. If I right. read those words every day and don't do anything about them, I'm doing yeah. nothing. Right. So I'd want to know. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're going backwards. Yeah. So I'd want to know from a person, um, what are the, what are the ranges of habits of your life right now that don't include, that, that include a lot of selfishness hmm. and how can we start to put, to, to build a life that is, drawing upon kingdom dynamics. That's just the big picture. So how do I get myself into, how do I get myself exposed as much as possible to new creation cosmic dynamics? Mm. Uh, and then I want to think about um, the realities that um, uh, typically, and I don't know a lot about, I've not researched this, but typically um, uh, porn, uh, pornography involves the exploitation of women uh, who are at risk and women who are in need or women who are being exploited in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand mm-hmm. that um, if I'm a it's person just, yeah. of, of furthering this whole dimension of cosmic un, uh, injustice, and uh, that's such a more loaded word in, in, in Paul in, in Scripture, if I'm part of the unleashing of further darkness upon creation, that has massive consequences for me at the day of Christ. So I'm not thinking in terms of just beating myself up or making myself feel guilty. Um, I want to know, uh, 
how much of my life is wedded to cosmic dynamics of renewal so that I am guaranteed an arrival at the day of Christ that's going to be a good arrival? And how much am I wedding my life to the cosmic dimensions of destruction so that at the day of Christ, I will participate in that destruction? So I'm trying to remove, I'm trying to move the scene. I'm, I'm trying to cast my vision, get it away from just my individual practices to a cosmic uh, perspective. Um, mm-hmm. furthermore, I guess I, I, I would also think in terms of, I guess I'm giving you big picture sort of things cause I'm not a, well, on the, well, on the ground concrete counselor, but yeah. how I'd want to think about this is, no, this is helpful. um, thinking about Trinitarian relationships of, uh, welcome, um, envelopment, um, this kind of re- reciprocal relationships of, uh, of, uh, interpenetration and, uh, perichoresis. Mm-hmm. So I am welcoming others to get to know me and I'm going out to others to get to know them. Um, pornography, it seems to me is the perversion of that whole process. Hmm. Human imitation of perichoretic dynamics, you know, welcoming others to get to know me and being vulnerable, um, pursuing others to get to know them. That's what it is to be a true human. Hmm. Um, to simply plunder uh, the vulnerability of another person for my enjoyment without any reciprocity is, is twisting and perverting me uh, into the kind of shape where I'm a decrepit, corrupted um, human. And so I, sin is formative too. Yeah, totally. It's formative. And also it's, it prepares me to be the kind of person that in community uh, in, in some ways that will be lived out. I'll, 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 however private this whole thing is, I will, Mm. I will enact that when I'm in public space. And Mm. for me, that's, again, I, I think guilt is so unhelpful. Thinking about guilt is so unhelpful here. I'd want to think about, take a sober look at this and think I can't behave like that in my participation in the church. I've got to be forming my, forming myself privately so that in public, I'm giving myself and receiving others' goodness. Hmm. Because the consequences for not doing that are fatal at the day of Christ. So, but if I'm, but if so I'm I work saved, backwards, actually. But if I'm saved, bro. Yeah. I wrote this well, down. I mean, salvation well, yeah. is a future concept. In the New Testament, salvation is purely future. Um, but hasn't the future verdict been brought forward today? Uh, that's, in, that's straight yes. from N.T., and you're for not going to argue with for that. For all those in Christ, the future verdict has been brought forward into time. The yep. thing is, though, the day of Christ will also reveal who is in Christ. So there's a sense in which um, my current habits and my current participation among the people of God, um, I have the assurance that the day of Christ is mine when I am participating fruitfully and faithfully in that community. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm participating in corrupted ways or if I'm exploiting or if I'm like pursuing patterns of selfishness, then the day of Christ is not guaranteed to me. And Paul puts that pressure on the Corinthians. Like look, what is showing up in your community dynamics is selfishness, self-seeking, click forming, which makes me wonder if you've ever, is this, what's the deal here? Like mm-hmm. there's been a massive salvation malfunction. So, for my personal practices, I actually would work back from the cosmic dimension and the corporate mm-hmm. dimension mm-hmm. and then think about 
okay, what kind of practices am I cultivating just in my thought life, um, uh, what, how I enjoy my time, that make me the kind of person that participates fruitfully in community that will get me to the day of Christ and have a glad reception. Hmm. So, I mean, that has a lot. That determines my fantasy life. That determines my, where I, how I spend my time, how I, what I commit myself to. Um, to, to think merely about guilt and self-flagellation, all of that to me, for so many people and for me personally, has been a complete non-starter. It just doesn't get us anywhere. Hmm. I'd rather have us like get emotion out of it and think very soberly about um, the kind of people that arrive at the day of Christ, the, how the kind of life that is lived out in community that gets you there. And now because so much of our, so many parts of our lives are individualistic, what kind of individualistic practices should I be participating in to foster my joyful participation in community that gets me to the day of Christ in, in a joyful way? Hmm. Hmm. Oh my goodness. That's how I think you know, about it anyway. Well, you were asking if uh if you've ever gotten, you know, some criticism and um I'm assuming that there has been. I'm just wondering what it is. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> Bring it. No. I want to know. No, I'm That'd just thinking I'm thinking I'm thinking this. <laughs> I'm thinking this episode may be the catalyst. That's fine. Uh, which but but that's so fun. I mean I, yeah, that's, that's a, that is. It's a blast. It's a blast to be in good conversation. Oh, Tim, I love this. Stuff. And not only that, but I just think about this all the time. Like, um, our communities are so in such horrible shape. Why not just destroy all the thought forms and start over? Like, why would it's just so bad? It's so bad. <laughs> so, so if you were going to plant a church, which I never will do, I know. But I'm just saying. Let's say you were. I would. I wouldn't. That's the bad. That's the bad way to go. Why? <laughs> I would rather be at my church, which is riddled with dysfunctions, than start yeah. one that's super exciting for eighteen months and then has all the dysfunctions. <laughs> wow. That's me, though. Oh wow! <laughs> I've done that once. I'll never do it again. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Oh, just a word to all the church planners out there. Wow. You people are the best, I'm sure. Just, <laughs> hey, plant one where there's no, you know, where there's nobody, no other churches around. That's the, then you're doing it the right way. Well, and I wonder if, I mean, I wonder what it'd be like to plant a church uh, that's not built on hype. You know, the, uh, the differentiation from all the other churches, we've got it, you know, what if it was a? What if it was just incredibly boring? Yeah. But but good. I don't know. It's it just does. it's yeah. Anyway, all right, bro. Thank you, dude. It's so um, great to talk, man. Oh my goodness, Tim. Are you blogging? I mean, I've I've no, I've seen a couple of new posts. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, here and there, stuff has struck me, and I've got a bunch of notes written up for stuff. But I just I don't know. It hasn't happened. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, once you start, once you start, once you start podcasting, <laughs> blogging. You know, it's cool, but it's just so much work. Yeah. Because this, I mean, literally, man, we just, uh, we could, oh, it's so great. And, and 
the medium allows for you to be in process because this isn't a finished work yeah right i'm not i'm not sitting looking at typed and making sure that no you're 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 processing and that's why i think people enjoy it so much more maybe but that's again one of the things i love about you man is just your willingness to say okay well let's Let's go into that. That's cool. Let's see. I know. It is. So, so thank you. Dude, thank you, thank thank you, you Mike. I appreciate it. Wow. Okay, guys. That was an interview. That, I mean, uh, I know. The size it, says it all. <laughs> <sighs> all right. I, I know. Seriously. I, I, I needed to just go play video games after that interview because it was i had to do something that just did not involve brain cells even remotely um you just so, watched your so, sports on tv oh i love so last night yeah because that's so here here is my idea of a perfect night all right this is romantic for Justy and i hannah is playing varsity not oh she's playing freshman volleyball so we had a, a volleyball game from 4 30 to like 5 45 Come home, eat a quick meal. Nate plays soccer from 7.15 to like 9.15. And then there's Thursday night football on. And that that's amazing. The only thing missing from that whole scenario is, is Coors Light. fun. Oh, come on. <laughs> why, why didn't you have the Coors Light? Because we're out. Oh, that stinks. Yep. So I had a Diet Pepsi. Which... I have a couple here. I'll send you one. Not the same. Do it. No, it's not the same. All right, let's talk outro, okay. <laughs> my friends. So, so a couple of thoughts. Number one, and, and mm-hmm. I know I know, we say this a lot, but it feels like it needs to be said again. The goal isn't that you automatically agree with everything that you hear on the podcast or from, from us. Right. Um, the goal is that you would be provoked into wrestling with some of these issues yourself. Um, the, the second thing is, so Tim is just such a, he's, be, you know, becoming a friend of the show so we can, I can ask and, and clarify a bit more, but still there were some things that are just mind blowing. So if you need to like, uh, listen to this one two or three times, I'm in that category. And if, yeah. and you know, for some, I think for some of us that, that sort of esoteric theology isn't very helpful. And, um, and so I totally understand that and you have permission just to bail from this point forward if you haven't already. Um, but, but I love getting into conversations like that. So, um, so Bonnie. Yeah. Did it live up to the Holy crap? That it really was, did. That was, it really did. <laughs> yeah, so what really did you, th- so what did you think? Okay. So I tracked at first. And I was like, see, this isn't, this is just eerie fanboying. But he was like, Jesus didn't die for individual salvation. I was, to be honest, I was like, yeah, 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 we've heard that. But then he blew my mind. Even just the words he chose to discuss it mm. about the cosmos uh, mm-hmm. reframes it completely. I think he meant the cosmos. Yeah, he did say it differently. Um, Santa cosmos? Yeah. I had to clarify um, with Mike before we started recording to make sure that that's what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. Or if the cosmos was something totally different that I wasn't privy to. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally a new thing. Um, so even that he, first of all, I just want to say I enjoy him talking about it in totally different language. 
yeah. because that reframes it. It makes you think. Yep. Um, but first, I would like to bring up the thing that wrecked me first. There was mm. many things, but um, and this might seem a little elementary, but that's why I'm here. Is, <laughs> is um, when he was discussing oh, yeah. um, the new creation, and then you both said it that like I quoted him in saying. The problem of the Old Testament is not that people are sinners. The big issue is that God's solution to the sin of, of Israel being the solution has failed because it has enacted like that his purposes were hijacked, like that mm. God's plan was hijacked. Mm-hmm. Um, that messed me up a little bit because mm. I've always even though my beliefs there have to be worked out better, but um, I still am unclear on the idea of like sin and evil in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. But the notion that's, that's very different than going, okay, we have like this good God and a powerful God. And then there's sin, these two separate entities, but the notion Mm -hmm. that his plan was hijacked by something for me Mm -hmm. is the language of a removal of power. So that mm. messes me up a bit. I don't know what to do mm. with that language. Mm. So fix it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my call to you. Yes. All right. Go for it, Tim. <laughs> I was just visualizing it all as uh, when he was talking about sin and death coming in through the cosmos, through like yeah. uh, entering in physically. I just. All I could see was Thanos coming in through one of those portals, and it's like, oh, <laughs> sin and death has was, arrived. Like, <laughs> I enjoyed that Titan. he brought a new element. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right, so so a couple of thoughts, Bonnie. So it's really the word hijack yeah. that's, that's troublesome, right? That's, that's throwing me a bit, yeah. Yes. Okay, so we can use, we can use other, other words, but let's, let's talk a little bit about – so Tim – what the perspective that Tim is bringing theologically is called um, an apocalyptic worldview, right? Yeah. It's um, we associate it primarily with like uh, uh, your view of Revelation. Yeah. But apocalypse is is just it was not only a form of literature um, in and around the first century, but it is also a way of saying apocalypse just means to like means unveil. Right. Um, apocalyptic thinking is that there's a surface thing that you're seeing, but then there's a deeper thing that's going on. Right. And so the Bible, uh, we very much um, are comfortable with the surface thing. And so sin, salvation, you know, um, uh, seeing God act, prayer, all of those sorts of things. What Tim's doing and what makes him so refreshing is that he's saying, yeah, yeah, that's one level. But there's this whole other thing that Paul, there's this whole other category that Paul is using, right? So you know this. I know right, you know yeah. this. Uh, but I'm trying to, t- to give people a framework who don't know this, that he's not, Tim isn't introducing strains of thought that haven't been out there. Right. But he's just so accessible and willing, you know, to provide these other things. So the the hijacking... Uh, I, I, I am okay with that language because it's clear from the Gospels that Satan does have real power, mm-hmm. um, and that that um, you know when 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 Satan looks to Jesus and says, "I will give you the kingdom of the world, right. the kingdoms of the world," he that's actually his to give, mm. and that sin and death aren't just 
aren't just, um, and this is super important to the hijack. Sin and death are like if chaos comes in. Um, like it's it's not that these are not just static entities, but they're dynamics that mm. that build momentum. Um, so like when he talks, when we get to the pornography point, he's talking about participating in dynamics of redemption or participating in dynamics of further enslavement. That's that's what sin and death turn out to be. Right. 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 So they're not static entities. They grow bigger. Mm. That's why sin matters. Um, um, You know, Paul will even use a phrase in Romans. He'll talk about ever increasing righteousness or ever increasing unrighteousness as he's talking about the habits in our bodies. And, and that's exactly the idea that, that these things don't stay small. They, they grow, they evolve, they get bigger. And so there is a, there is a hijacking. Jesus even, he doesn't use that language, but he uses the language of the strong man. Remember when he's talking about um, his demonic sort of exorcism ministry, people are saying it's only in league with Satan that you're able to drive out demons. And yeah. Jesus is like, dude, come on, man. A kingdom divide itself doesn't work that way. Right. What I'm doing is I'm plundering the, the, the strong man's house. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, Jesus uses the phrase archon, right, to describe three times in, in, in John, Satan is described as the archon, which is, which is like the preeminent governing official of a region. Mm. Um, so, so I think hijack actually works um, uh, because I, I do think, and, and the bigger question is, well, why? But, but I, 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 I don't know what Tim would say, but I would say um, because the, the, the sin and death are real powers okay. um, and they're ever expanding, that hijack is exactly... Uh, exactly the right word. The right now, word. The, the j- objection is, well, okay, but that speaks of God losing power. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would say it that way. Um, and I, I, I would say it seems more like control. Not that God ever wanted to be, have high, you know, have high, a high degree of meticulous sovereignty uh, and high control, but that these are dynamics that have been introduced into creation that take on a life of their own, in a mm. sense. And um, and so the kind of universe God desired to create allows for those things to go unchecked until God acts. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's how Tim, I don't know if Tim would agree or not agree with that. But that's why I don't find the hijack word. I, like, I do think Satan has real power. Now, it's boundaried, of course, it's boundaried. Right. But um, and the question could also be raised: Why is it boundaried smaller? Um, which is a great question, and I have no idea. Right. But but the 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 scripture presents two things: that Satan is real, active, and can and do really harmful things to the purposes of God and the people of God, and at the same time, he's boundaried and will ultimately fail. Okay. So you have that dynamic and then you have God. And then what about then where does the, when he was talking about the disembodied wrath and the disconnected, Mm -hmm. is that an entirely other thing he's saying? If that makes sense? No, that's a dynamic. That's a dynamic dynamic in Satan's sin and death. Sin and death. Okay. Yes. Yes. So that's super important. Now, I, I, I do think there are times where the Bible clearly records God's wrath as something other than that. Yeah. And this is where I would disagree with Boyd, you know, who just says all wrath is sort of passive wrath. Um, I don't know that that's true. 
but the disembodied wrath it's the idea that that did god like did god invent aids to punish gay people well no right no what as a part of our fallenness right our 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 cells are fallen our um, you know, the diseases that, that are occurring naturally often occur due to natural processes that God had nothing to do with. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. God isn't up there handing out cancer. Cancer is the result of the toxins that we're putting in our bodies that we don't even, we're not even aware of, whether it's aluminum and deodorant or certain products and shampoo, which I don't have to worry about. Like we're just constantly bombarding our bodies with toxins. Right. And so cancer is what happens when you do that. Right. 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 So so the wrath that that he's speaking of isn't some external judgment on top. Right. Of the sin and death. Um, no, it's it's the, the cancer is itself the right. judgment of right. of the way that we have um, not stewarded creation. Well, interesting. Does that make sense? And yeah. I'm not saying you have to agree or even that Tim would agree. I'm just I'm just processing with you like, OK, like. Tim, like his book in Ephesians, um, has a high, high view of Paul's view of the powers. What's his, uh, what's that called for people that want to? The drama of Ephesians. The drama of Ephesians. Yeah. I'm writing this down. I've been, all I've been doing is taking notes on everything everything you're saying too. (laughs) That's all I've been doing. But um, I like it because um, for somebody who, there's such an urge in the Christian conversation that you have to fit into one like some camp and this allows that to be blown open and to say like no 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 there are so many layers to this we don't even understand it so like when even when he was talking about genesis 3 and he's like it literally opened a door for sin to like it was like tim said Mm -hmm. it provided such this picture of a dynamic reality that is so beyond our boxes that we're comfortable with yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I really I loved that. And then his idea to read Romans backwards. Yeah. I think that might ruin me. Have you done that? I've got the book. I haven't read the book yet, but but if but I, I can I can guess where McKnight's going. Yeah. Because the thing is, we when we read Romans forwards, we're reading his theology until we get to chapter 12 and then he's doing something else. Right. But all the theology he's doing until chapter 12 is designed to hit the pastoral issues in 12, 13, 14, 15. And then, you know, he has tons of conclusions there in 16, but, but starting from the kind of community that he is wanting to build that reframes totally his arguments. And that's where Tim's going too. Tim's, you know, the, the conversation we had about salvation has direct impact on how you understand the, the election predestination conversation right. in 9 through 11. Right. So, and McKnight, what McKnight does that's really good is that he, he, he is a simplifier. So he'll take very high level theology and kind of bring it down to where we are. So that so that um, uh, we can, it's more approachable. So I love okay. that. But right. yes, that 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 was the biggest revelation uh, of of Romans to me was oh this is a pastoral letter. Right. He's right. not just sitting giving theology. The theology work the the theological work he's doing is actually designed to address an issue in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
so so just to abstract stuff out of Romans without that background leads us to some of the places you know uh, we've gone right yeah exactly well and so so okay so I started there but then let's discuss when he was talking about I mean the atonement in general you know he's like it's not for individual salvation that like Christ had to die and you're gonna have to maybe fix my wording on this because it was tough for me to reword in my head <laughs> Christ had to die to basically this is terrible wording but this is how I pictured it to like fix the rip in the cosmos to fix the undoing that happened so mm-hmm. then like to what you asked him but i didn't necessarily track with his answer so i'm hoping you could reframe it is then <laughs> what about forgiveness of sins and then what is happening there like when he does say to people like you asked him this but it was hard for me to understand when he was saying when he says to people your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven if it's not like we see that it's about individuals but it's not like that is that's a tough dynamic for me to wrap my head around yes no me too the me individuals too. and the cosmos i don't that's hard for my brain to get there well tell me what you think of this this is how i heard it and and nt nt Wright spends a lot of time on this this has been one of the most helpful things from him Forgiveness of sins immediately brings to American Western, you know, minds a ledger that gets wiped clean. Oh, 100 percent. Remember my baptism story? Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And what he's saying is that is that forgiveness of sins actually speaks for a new dynamic that's been introduced by Jesus to counter the dynamics of sin and death. This new creation dynamic is called forgiveness of sins, and it includes our justification, but it also includes like becoming a new people. It also includes returning from ex- mm. our, our spiritual exile. It also includes um, liberation from the slavery of the enemy, right? So forgiveness of sins, we, ha- we picture a ledger for him uh, I think what Tim was saying is that for Paul, forgiveness of sins, and for Jesus too, forgiveness of sins is a referencing the whole new arena that's been created in the pollution of the world where there's a different uh, dynamic in operation. Mm. So, um, so, and he even used the word arena, which is what, what I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a good word. That, that, and this is where, this is where I think Tim does some of his best stuff, but it's super, it's super high level. The, the sin and death are dynamics that have been introduced, but so is the kingdom. And the way you, the, 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 the overall way of marking you as a kingdom person is saying your sins have been forgiven. Okay. So that means you're included in that. So, so Paul gives this list in, in Ephesians about Jew and Gentiles, right. right? Jews were excluded from citizenship and blah, blah, blah. But then he gives this other list of, but now you've been brought near. Now you can have access to God, the father, right, um, right. through Christ, right? He gives this huge uh, before you were, and now you are list. And, and what Gombas is saying is that whole thing is called the forgiveness of sins. Okay. Right, so it's the it is the it's, it's the high new, level right. It's the high level dynamic where God's grace um, uh, empowers and unites us with Christ and empowers us for living. And it, it's the it's the in the same way sin and death 
are signifiers of the old dynamic or the pattern of this world. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness of sin is the signifier of the whole complete picture of redemption given by Jesus and then the rest of the New Testament. Huh. <laughs> now, now this is where now this is where I'm so glad we went into the pornography example because yeah. this is so abstract. Right. So so the way so so when he talked about pornography, uh, I found it totally fascinating because he went into the dynamic conversation. So there are di dynamics at play in the world that are exploitative, that are um, that are that are abuses of power, that are you know, and and porn. Even though you think it's just a, a simple thing between you and a computer screen or what, however, um, that's actually feeding into a dynamic that is that is right. unbelievably demonic. Right. And so his counter to that was, well, what, where are you participating in gospel dynamics, gospel mm -hmm. dynamics of reconciliation and service to the poor and humility and so on, so on, so on. So here, here is a way to frame ethical decisions that are far beyond rightness and wrongness for you as an individual. Right. What dynamics are you feeding? So, so like, and, and we can understand this because look at what we've done with coffee. Right now it matters. It's not just enough to buy coffee, but now we want to know where it was sourced. Right. right. And, and how those people are treated. Right. Uh, it's not just enough to know where our, that we have food. We want to know where it comes from and what those and how those animals are kept, right. what they're fed. Right. So we're more interested in the dynamic behind food mm -hmm. production than we are just about the food or the coffee. Make sense? Yep. So, so in Christian terms, um, we're very much interested in the behavior of pornography. And what Tim's saying, no, 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 you got to go way back into the dynamics that that feeds that affect everybody, right? Yep. Is this analogy even? I mean, no, you, I got I, it. I'm totally tracking. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And yeah. I'm not Bonnie. I, and I want everyone to know this isn't this isn't Bonnie has questions and Mike has answers. I'm trying to process <laughs> it with you. Saying, here's how I heard it, and I don't know if that's right, but but it was it was it had framed like I've never because I'm so individualized and such a ledger person, right? right. I look at sin as well. Here's red in my ledger to quote you know Black Widow. <laughs> um, that was for you, Stafford. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Seth theory last night was hilarious. He's like, Daddy, Vox podcast. I'm like, Yep, tomorrow. He said, he said, say hi, Bonnie. Yep. Say hi, Tim Staff, which is what he calls Tim. Yep. So Seth says hi. Hi, Seth. Like you can't picture the Vox podcast without Tim Staff and Bonnie. I love it. <laughs> How great is that? That is really good. Um, I don't know why I said that. Other than um, I, I don't – I like – I had tons of questions too. The difference is I get to ask. Yeah. Because um, there are interviews where I'm trying to like – guide the conversation and then there are interviews where i'm just genuinely blown away right and this was a blown away like so here's my problem <laughs> <laughs> and and i genuinely think it's probably my problem but my brain actually hurts trying to fit in this idea of this huge cosmos and even like you said the forgiveness of sins as this brand new arena with which what has always made really good sense to me of Israel and the parallels of the exile in the wilderness as we find in the New Testament. 
So here's my question. And I also find it very compelling that things are historical, that things have, whereas a certain people in right. a certain place. So are we just then supposed to view the biblical narrative as an example of the story playing out, but it's settled in this whole huge other thing? Mm. Does that make, am I making sense when I ask you that question? Yes, but I don't give answers. So well, <laughs> I think like my brain hurts having to fit in this giant picture of the cosmos and this um, like narrative scope. Yeah. Um, because for me, I can't, it's hard for me to reconcile this new arena with a new Israel. That seems like those things should not go together then. Because it seems like ah. it's something totally new. Right. Not a new form of something that was. Ah. Ooh. That's so, a good question. I know. Bonnie. I know. Okay. So the question was, Bonnie. I said, it, the new Israel. That metaphor yes. breaks down for me if he's starting a brand new thing. Because okay. why would you compare it to an old broken system that was hijacked right. if it's a brand new arena? Yes. That seems oh. like maybe we've gone astray there. And now and now I have to throw out everything I've ever thought. And it's Gombus's fault. It is totally Gombus's fault. Now I have totally. to throw it all to the wall and see what sticks. And I just I didn't oh. expect that work that work to be in front of me right now. You know what I mean? I, I know. You don't need that. <laughs> I don't, you don't need, need that, that right now, Tim. You know what? I'll just text him. Oh boy. <laughs> and there and there it is. And there it is. I just had to because it's oh, so easy to see your feathers so get ruffled. I know. I know. They're ruffled, Bonnie. It's okay. I, I know jealousy <laughs> is part of the sin and death dynamic. I repent. You just have yeah. to rework no, the jealousy I, through a different lens. The whole time I'm sitting here, I'm just imagining that you guys are just talking about me this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I text that, Tim. So, I mean, hey. <laughs> Um, so, so uh, again, I don't like doing the answer thing, but, but here's how I heard it. And I'd love to hear what you think okay. about how I heard it. Um, good. I think that Tim, or I'll just speak for me. I wouldn't say that the new covenant introduced new dynamics as opposed to dynamics that just didn't work. I would okay. say that the call of Israel and it was the same call given to Adam and Eve with with differences now, you know, because of the fall. But the, it was to embody the new dynamic of of God. So Adam and Eve were called to embody um, this this dynamic of God's kingdom. Right. And, and it was simple for them because it was literally just don't eat of the fruit of this tree, <laughs> right? right? That was it. Everything else, whatever else they were doing, right? Filling the earth and and obviously eating and planting and harvesting and whatever else they were doing, that was all part of, right, their, their God-glorifying existence. Um, but now in the fallen world, God selects a man, Abram, um, uh, an unlikely couple, and he, he tells them to go to this land Canaan, um, which is kind of the new Eden. And some think that's actually where Eden was, um, but now it's fallen. And so they're to go and they're to build a community that was to embody the original vocation given to the first humans, Adam and Eve, or however you understand that. 
and uh, and that that as community as that as Israel developed then in their slavery and then into the wilderness, what they receive are are levels of what Tim Mackey would say like suboptimal ways in which they can embody the the dynamic that God had always intended, the dynamic of justice, the dynamic of care for the marginalized, the dynamic of reconciliation and forgiveness, and the dynamic of of the worship of the true God and not idolatry. Right? So so I wouldn't say that that in the Old Testament, and I think that's why you have books like Esther or you have books like Ruth, where you're showing that even outside the covenant community, God is still doing stuff. Because the covenant community itself gets corrupted and gets hijacked, and now it's part of the pollution. Right. So I don't I don't see God, and I could be dead wrong about this. I don't see God introducing like, okay, well let's let let's scrap that. Right. No, I think it's totally recapitulated, and it's it's mm. exactly what Gumbus was saying. It's Jesus selecting twelve. Right. That symbolic picture is saying to Israel. I'm not doing a new thing. I'm renewing the thing that's been going. Mm. And and even when we get to the the images at the end of the Bible about a new heavens and a new earth, the new there doesn't mean never seen before. It means renewed. Right, right, right. right. So, so how I understand it is that Jesus comes to renew Israel. And as part of Israel's renewal, it is a light to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles come flooding in. Now, that's where Tim was getting the, what, what counts as Israel, you right, know, now. right. Right. And he's not sure and I'm not sure. And, but but how so so to me, this isn't the forgiveness of sins isn't something. And this is what N.T. does in a couple of his books. He's showing that the exiled community uh, that 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 we find at the beginning of the New Testament still sees itself in exile. Even even though some of them are in the land, they're under a foreign occupation by the idolatrous Romans. Uh, so they still see themselves in exile and are waiting for the forgiveness of sins. So that's language they would have used right. to, to, to encapsulate this return of God to his throne. What we call the kingdom of God is what they would have uh, understood also as the forgiveness of sins, right? It's the right. dynamic that's been introduced. But that same dynamic, I think, was introduced with Abraham. And I think that same dynamic was introduced with Moses. And that same dynamic was introduced with David. The problem of course, is that it just the, the the renewed people of God get corrupted. That's why the story about Noah, immediately after the ark, there's some sort of sin and fracture in their family is so tragic. Because right. here's the one righteous family that's been pulled out, and oh, the first thing we learn about them is that they're not righteous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I don't see it as in any way as a as a. Um, I totally see it the way you do. I don't see it as the introduction of, I, I mean, obviously the gift of the spirit, that's new. There are new aspects to it. Right. Um, but I don't it's see it. It's a renewed it, vision of it. I, I think that's it. I think that's why Jesus is using um, in the gospels language and his priority was Israel first. Yeah. His um, his language is taking Old Testament like salt um, of the earth and light right. of the world, right? I mean, he's, he's applying ethnically Israel. And that's why John the Baptist came warning that just because you were ethnically Jewish didn't mean you were right before God. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So, so now what we have and all Tim's introducing is the backdrop 
See, Hirsch and Henderson, we interviewed them. Some, the, the problem with the church is we've reduced everything down. Well, this is a great example of how we've done that. Salvation is just me getting my sins forgiven. Right. When for them, uh, for Old Testament, New Testament folks, forgiveness of sins was a much bigger, more corporate reality yeah. than that, as was salvation. Am I, am I rambling? Does that make no. sense? What do you think of that, Bonnie? No, that makes total sense. Um, I'm interested in, in terms of how that dynamic plays out and with what we've been talking about in the Bible pointing us towards wisdom yeah. and even salvation in wisdom. Because I read this, I think, from Brueggemann. I think it was. in his commentary oh. On his commentary on Genesis. And he says, he's like, Eve's sin was that when she ate the apple... She took God's wisdom, and the sin there is that you're taking something that's not yours mm-hmm. instead of journeying with God to gain the wisdom, Okay, if that, if that makes sense. Sure. So um, I was like, okay, okay. And so I'm trying to put all of this together because my brain likes it better when it is. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> totally, um, <laughs> totally. The um, chicken is in the oven. <laughs> that's what we're looking for theologically. That is exactly right. Right. So um, I'm just trying to think then in terms of how wisdom plays out, right? So you have, because you have the story, like you just said, and it's just like these constant stories of these people that are righteous. And then you find out that that family wasn't righteous and they make this choice and then they grow and learn in wisdom. And so you hear that again and again and again. So I'm wondering if part of the forgiveness of sins, part of this recapitulated arena if uh-huh. you will. Nice. Boom. Is, thank you. Is the, um, the We're introduction a with this episode. <laughs> I yeah, I know. Is, seriously. Is the introduction or at least the reminder or something of saying part of this new arena is taking what you learned and doing something with it. So taking what you've learned or memorized mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. like Jewish students did and Jewish people did. And, letting it breathe and doing something new because if jesus uses this language of forgiveness of sin i mean um excuse me salt and light like all the stuff that they would know but then sort of is redoing it i'm just saying i wonder if part of this new arena as our job as christians is to continually recapitulate reframe and point towards wisdom that's so good bonnie Absolutely. Like that, that's a part of what it means to be in the new arena of salvation. It's like we're getting right. saved from this old thin view, which I also enjoyed that that was negative for you. <laughs> <laughs> thin is bad. Thin is bad. And we get to be in a bigger, but like a, just a bigger picture. Like I just yeah. don't want to leave that out, that that's so part of it. Bonnie, I think I, th- that salvation is absolutely... and wisdom. Yes. Yes. Um, the the idea that what Paul is doing in his letters is he's showing how the theology of salvation plays itself out in a flesh and blood community. Mm-hmm. So it's highlighting it's highlighting these new dynamics, right? Right. Bear with one another, forgive with one another. You know, forgive as Christ forgives you. Inter- imitate God. All of this stuff. Um, and and when we immerse. When we immerse ourselves in the Gospels or in the voice of Jesus, what we're learning to discern are the Gospel dynamics and situations the Bible never addresses. Right. Right. So, so how do I handle? How do I handle? um, You know, holding uh, holding bitterness against somebody that that 
um, you know, has deeply hurt me. Um, right. Okay, that's, but again, that's wisdom. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but but wisdom is the discerning of okay, what's the dynamic that brings sin and death, and what's the dynamic that brings brings about new creation or mm. pictures or foreshadows yes. new creation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So why? So so racism, my individual acts of racism, whatever they might be, are are morally wrong on an individual level. But what we're saying is they're elevated. Right. Into this, the cosmic perspective by saying, no, those are dynamics that feed on sin and death, the destruction of people and blah, 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 blah. As opposed to why do we fight for that? Well, it actually pictures new creation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right, Bonnie. I think that that the point is even made stronger that the goal of the Bible um, is to is to introduce us to the dynamics that keep circling around. Right. Right. Because you see stuff in the Old Testament, you know, the year of Jubilee, like, holy moly, is that stuff mind blowing. Right. 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 And then Jesus is using that image to describe his ministry. Right. Uh, I mean, so you have this recapitulation stuff all over the place. But what it's doing is it's introducing you to the new ways those dynamics were applied. Yeah. Right. So Peter's encounter with the, the vision on the, uh, when he you know has the vision of the unclean animals right. three different times what's what was that doing that was highlighting a dynamic that was already there right right, right, right. that the gentiles would be welcomed um and so on that, right that was acts 15 hey we're not going to put a stumbling block in front of the gentiles and let's quote the old testament to justify that um so it's not like like paul or, or that peter was experiencing some new dynamic it was the same dynamic, but that was applied specifically to the question, do Gentiles have to become Jewish to follow Jesus? Right. Right. I'm, I thought you were going still. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm tired of talking. Okay. Then let me, can I, can I um, throw something else in there? Oh, my Lord. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Bonnie, you're incredible. No, this has gotten me going. So, um, in the you brought this passage up. So in the passage where Jesus heals the bleeding woman. Yes. Right. Okay. And we brought this up in the last episode too. It sounds which, like a Tim Shell passage. It is actually. Which That's, is why it was on my head. And then you which is why it's on my head. And then you reframed it. But here's what I, this is like for me, this is how this plays out, like how we see it in real time. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this woman's bleeding. She reaches out to touch his shawl in a very jewish way but they understand and he says to her your faith has healed you because mm -hmm. of that scripture in malachi there will be healing in his wings and the, and the shawl yep. um then though you have the guy who is the like leader in the synagogue he like his daughter is dying right Jairus. and then Jairus, yes and then he or says Jairus. yeah i'm gonna say that while Jesus is talking to the woman, someone comes and says, your daughter died. There's no mm -hmm. use for the teacher now. And he says to him, don't, um, don't be afraid. Just believe. Okay. First of all, that is like a triggering passage because how many times did I hear that? Like in youth group, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid. Yeah. Just believe. But when I looked it up in Greek, that word there was, it like points back to what he just witnessed. Mm -hmm. So it was like, build your faith on what I just did. And what he just did 
was responded to the woman who knew her scriptures and then lived it out in real time. So when I hear this conversation we're talking about is that woman like took her scriptures and then participated in the forwarding of the kingdom by acting on it and saying like his, there will be healing in his wings. I see that I'm going to reach for that versus like, and he's saying like, look at that as an example of how I bring about healing and how I introduce this new arena, not as I do all these things. And then I just sort of in another arena, I just ask for a miracle. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So our yes. goal, yeah. So our goal then is to like, when we're pointing toward wisdom, like you're saying, it's to take stuff and then take scriptures and go, what do I see in front of me that forwards forgiveness, forwards justice, forwards the healing of the kingdom, not just right. in the separate arena of I want a miracle to happen. Right. And that, yes. And that is why Paul so emphasizes the fact that the spirit is present with us because where Jesus mm. was, the kingdom was. Yeah. Right. There was no other thing. Right. Jesus was the living embodiment. He bled and and lived and breathed the right. kingdom of God, this forgiveness of sins dynamic that's been introduced. Mm-hmm. Right? He did it perfectly. Right. So so as as image bearers of the triune God, but then as people who are being fashioned into new creations because of the presence of the Spirit in us, exactly the same, exactly the same thing. Now there is an external thing because now we do it in Jesus name. Right, right, right. Jesus didn't have to do it in Jesus' name. name. He just did it. (laughs) So we're still identifying with Christ. It's that power. It's the, it's Christ's dynamic. That's the one we're pointing to. Right. Um, But, but I, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. That, that we're not, we're not asking God to interrupt, um, uh, the normal flow of things. Cause that's how I see it. It's like, well, everything is full of entropy and we're all awful. And you know, yeah, God, would yeah. you be nice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Today. Totally. I hope you're in a good mood. Would you please do this? Please don't smite me. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. No spiting today. God, please. please. <laughs> um, where, whereas I think what, what Gombas is pointing to is the fact that the, whatever ministry is happening is just a natural extension of what is happening all around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. arena is in us. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're invited to step into the arena that's already there. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like we're creating the arena as we do stuff. Right. It's like no, the kingdom's forcefully advancing, and we get to participate. Right. Well, and that's the beauty of the incarnation. Come on, preach. It's, say more about that. It's it's the invitation to put flesh on things. Come like, on. And yes. There's all this cosmic going on, and the incarnation is the invitation to work it out in real time, to put flesh Come on things. Come on. So, wow, I think I just, my brain feels ordered now. <laughs> <laughs> so that feels better. <laughs> oh, Bonnie, that makes me so happy. No, I... <laughs> I mean, that's so good. And I love, I love the way you process this stuff. Cause I do, I'm the same way. I really, I I want to be faithful to the story that's being told, but these pieces keep getting added and, and I I keep, you know, having to go back to the story and go, oh, okay. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's saying different things. I just think it's saying things that, you know, like what is it, what is it to believe? Mm-hmm. Right. As you look at that word, right. That's such so much more than just, I would confess Yes, with my mouth. Right. 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 
yeah. believe as though no, she actually believed when she reached for his like, robe. It wasn't it was that she believed action. it before. Right. Yes. Right. The, yeah. the the step of faith, that that's a wrong way to say it. It's not faith until you step. Right, right, right. Exactly. No, that's it. Oh, so good. I love so so the the gift that Gombus gave me outside of his friendship, thin <laughs> as it is, was um the the notion of dynamics that have yes. been introduced. Yes. And that that and then that means there is no such thing as a private sin. Right. There's no such thing as a sin that doesn't harm. Yes. Um, that and that's good. why Paul spends so much time almost exclusively on community formation instead of individual spiritual formation. Right. You know? Yes. But notice what we do in our churches and what I've always done. I'm I'm interested in forming individuals. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Ugh. But I know I loved it. And I thought he gave permission. His language gave permission um, to breathe life into it in a way, like you said, that like and like Keys, Matt and Walsh said, has real mm. implications. Mm -hmm. Like what we're exactly. doing is furthering something. Yes. And we get to decide what that is. Well said, Bonnie. Well said, Tim. Keys, Matt, Walsh and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, you get the last word, my friend. Oh, I have nothing Any but closing thoughts? bigger questions. I feel like we were, this, oh. this whole thing was just like uh, we're looking at encyclopedia titles, and then but <laughs> we haven't know. opened up the encyclopedias yet. So it's mm. like, oh, man, do you guys like apples? This whole book is about apples. They're red. Would you like to know <laughs> some more? <laughs> Would you like to know more? There's just – because I like the, the, there's stuff at the end when you guys were talking about like just – the, just kind of the church talk, church language, mm -hmm. the idea of praying for, so like, you know, I prayed that Jesus entered my heart and now things are different. Mm -hmm. and, and then in light, so all this church, how church functions, how we exist within church, what is the function of the church? What is the function yeah. of community in the church? What is Come the on. function of the church within this uh, cosmos? <laughs> what is the function of the church within this new kingdom that is active? What is the church within yeah. this idea of um, di of uh, digesting information and being um, what's the word uh, um, discerning? Like, the, what is a mm. pastor's role in a church then? If you're discerning the way that the kingdom is here now and this, all these different, I don't know. There's just so much because yeah. like it reworks all of what church is supposed to be in my head. That's what I was thinking about when I was listening. I was like, oh well, then we yes. should be doing it this way. We should be doing it this way. Yeah. We should be doing it this way. And that's right. The pastor's and that's role why Paul in that is always this, ends this, there. And this and this and this. Yeah. So it's because I think that's, that's right. a lot of the questions that I keep getting from people that listen to the podcast and stuff is like, well, then then how or then why? <laughs> I know. Right. And I'm like, and well, that's what we're trying you to figure out. <laughs> go in peace. <laughs> <laughs> just say exactly. Tim Shell will be out. <laughs> no. no. And, Here's Bonnie's phone and, number. Yeah, yes. right. But I'm compelled by that question, Tim, especially in light of um, pastoral presence and preaching. Mm. Because, and like, part of me when I was like, I had I had two simultaneous thoughts, which was, why isn't Gombus the president pastor? Which mm -hmm. that was that's a made up role in my head. And then my second was was because then everybody would ruin it. <laughs> it's like, right. this is why we can't have nice things. 
But um, I'm wondering the question of, like you said, Tim, is like, is the model working? Because so much of this stuff has to be discussed, like we're doing here. And that's why people call sometimes this podcast their church, because they're given permission to work it out. But I'm just wondering about the model, because if we just get up there and I'm I'm part of the problem if I do this when I preach, as you are too eerie if we believe this, is that if we get up there and preach and just like tie everything up and not give questions or points to talk on, because so much of what we see of this thin theology is because we're very eager, and I obviously am one of them sitting here, but to tie it all up and to make sense of it. Yeah, and And we're trying to do that with our, our, so we have our community dinner this Saturday. Right, We're Tim is like Tim is month. developing a micro community out of the podcast. So we've met two or three times, and we'll and we'll tackle a topic. But it's very the whole idea was creating an, a physical space of podcast ideas, right? So the safe space we have people who have not been to church in fifteen years because of great hurt from people within the church, and then there's people who attend a church regularly every Sunday, and then everybody in between, right? And so we're trying to create a place where everybody can come together and have those kind of conversations. And so this week we have somebody who's coming who has been working with immigrants in Sacramento for a long time. And she works with a bunch of families and she's very plugged in and she's very knowledgeable and she's very, you know, just deep in that world. So she's going to come and talk about her experiences and stuff. But, you know, I gave her Mike's note of like, you know, as we're, she was asking me for how to present the information, or how to talk about it. It's like, well, you know, we want to know a how and a why and a what and and what those kind of mean in that situation. But we also like the no red bows. This has to end with being in process so that we can come into that process and have these conversations with you. And then we have like a Q and a and, and, and kind of sit in the stuff together and wrestle through the stuff together. Right. And I'm wondering if that's, I don't know. So this, this is why I I didn't want to say anything at the end because this opens up like about a hundred more questions about what (laughs) the church and community looks like. Well, yeah. this is, we're including this at the end, my friend, so it's too late for that. <laughs> and and that's exactly where Paul would want us to be. Yeah. That's how he structures his letters, man. First first part, here's all the big theology. Second part, here's how it flushes out. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it, bro. Love that it. is exactly the right question to leave this on, because it, it doesn't matter otherwise. Right. You know what I mean? It's great thoughts. But, you know, Frank Handy or Jack Handy had deep thoughts, too. (laughs) So the goal is if you preach this, does a community naturally form out of it of people who are humble enough to try to learn it together? Well, I love the idea of a community being, you know, it can it can look the way that a church does physically, but just this constant movement. Because right, that's where I've been in the last year or so is that I just see God continually moving. He's doing specific things, and I'm trying to partner and to figure out what that is and then to see what our role is. But it's like we should never be just sitting stationary because I just feel like yeah. it's always moving. It's just always happening. And so yeah. the church would kind of feel that way, like, all right, all right, all right, what's going on? What's going on? If the And if we have this one person up there that's discerning kind of what is happening, and then I don't know. I don't know what yeah. that means. Yep. That's good. That's great. All right. So, my friends, um, we've certainly given you the longest Vox episode ever. <laughs> so, no blessing for you other than go in peace. You got gombist. And you got <laughs> gombist. Yes. Let's start using gombist as a verb. You yes. been gombist. <laughs> the chicken's in the oven. 
the gombus is in the oven. All right, till next time, friends. <laughs>